Please stand for the reading of God's Word. As we return to the book of Acts, we're reminded why the church exists. We're told that in the book of Acts, Jesus ascended into heaven. He sent His Spirit to earth. And what the Spirit did was equip the church to spread the Word. To spread the Word of salvation in Christ. That is why our church exists. That's why the church has always existed. And our passage this morning is about boldness for that task. Why should we be bold when we spread the word? And how can we get boldness to spread the word if we feel like we lack it? I don't know about you, but I've been encouraged by this word already because I often feel like I need to be more bold. And if you feel that way, then listen to the word of Christ this morning. The Spirit is speaking to us because this is true and because He loves us. Acts 4, verse 23. When they were released... They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, by the Holy Spirit, why did the nation or why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You may be seated. If the one you're serving sits in heaven, speak up. That's my best shot at summarizing the point of this passage. If the one you're serving sits in heaven, speak up. We'll see three things in our passage. A report, a response, and a result. Point number one the report of persecution. First thing that a convict does 
whenever he is first released from jail, is really telling. Many will go right back to their old friends and right back to that lifestyle that got them in trouble in the first place. Beloved, I want us to be encouraged this morning and to be instructed this morning that that's exactly what the apostles did. Peter and John have just been arrested because they were preaching forgiveness through Jesus. And and now they're released in verse 23 from that Sanhedrin jail. They were released with this warning. Look back in chapter 4, verse 16, how the Sanhedrin came together and they said, what should we do? Verse 17. So that this word of Christ may not spread any further among the people, warn Peter and John not to speak any more to anyone in that name. And so that's what they said in verse 18. Do not speak at all anymore in the name of Jesus. That's the warning that comes to them. The threats of those who do not love Jesus. Silence so many. The thoughts that we have about what so-and-so can take away from us if we speak up, that silences so many Christians. It silences me too much. I'm praying that the Lord will use this passage to give us boldness to speak for Christ. Today... We may not be facing jail time. We may not be facing death in the same way that that they were in the first century. And yet, even with what less we are facing, we can get into funks of not speaking up for Christ because we're afraid. And our text reminds us that threats should not silence the church because We know why we exist. We exist, beloved, to spread the word of Christ. And so threats to silence us from doing that must not silence us from doing that. And so the the apostles gather together with their friends, these friends who share the same purpose, it's the church of Jerusalem, and they're looking for help to not back down from their purpose in the face of persecution. And so, number two, they respond in prayer. Verses 24 through 30, they respond in prayer. How can we speak up in the face of fear? And I think the answer comes from our passage. It's the same way they spoke up in the face of fear. It is through prayer. Now, before the congregation prays Psalm 2 in, in verses 25 and 26, they notice in verse 24 what they say. They address their sovereign Lord. Now, That is literally, the word sovereign Lord is literally the word despot. 
despot. Now, when you think of despots, you probably think, like me, of, of Hitler, Stalin, or in the Bible, Pharaoh. But really, the, the word despot, it just means someone who has ultimate power. Now listen, when the church is threatened by people who have more powerful or more power than they do, they lift their voices higher, like all the way up. You could call him the despot of despots. When they are under the threat of despots, they remind themselves who is at the top of the chain. When we're afraid to speak up about Christ because of what someone can take away from us, the very first truth our hearts need to remember is that God is the one who made heaven and earth, and therefore there is nothing outside of His jurisdiction. It's all His. And so the church prays to Him, and they use Psalm 2. Now here is a good lesson. This ancient text tells them how they should understand their life. When they are experiencing the realities of life, they turn to what they should do, and they even use the words of this text. And the Bible is the key to understanding what we experience as we serve Christ as well. Look in verses 27 and 28. We see the world's plot and God's plan. The world's plot and God's plan. Notice how they understand that what God said would happen did happen. David said, why do the nations rage? And, and when the church is using Psalm 2, they say, why did the Gentiles or the nations rage? It, it, what, what God said would happen, did happen. God said through David that the nations were going to rage against God and that the peoples were going to plot against God's king. Verse 27, they say, in this very city, Jerusalem, that has already happened. Acts 4 names the players that, that David was prophesying about in Acts or Psalm 2. Notice, God's anointed king is Jesus. And the kings and the rulers who were gathered together against Jesus... Acts 4 says, were Herod, the king of Israel, and Pilate, the governor of Rome. Now, there's a surprise when Psalm 2 is fulfilled. We probably would have expected that the peoples who were plotting, who were planning and strategizing to burst the bonds or or uh, what that means is to cut off the rule of God's king from themselves. They didn't didn't want God's king to be their king. They wanted to cut off the bonds that were tying them to him. We expected those peoples who were plotting to do that would be people who never knew God. But notice the words of our text. The peoples who plotted in vain, verse 27, were the peoples of Israel. 
when the Son of God came, his own people did not receive him. His own people killed him on the cross. And verse 28 teaches us that all that the world plots ultimately will be conformed and molded to God's plan to exalt His King. All that the world is plotting, all of the powerful people and the system strategizing to throw off the rule of King Jesus, all of it is going to be molded to and conformed to God's determination that He is going to exalt His King. It was God who actually planned all of this. He planned that he was going to set his king, not on some earthly throne, but in heaven. And he planned all along that it would be after raising him from the dead. He planned this. So Herod and Pilate are plotting together, and their plot was his plan. Whenever they plotted to kill Jesus, they were actually, unbeknownst to them, carrying out the despot's plan, his orders to crown his king. And so the church pleads. They plead with God in light of this in verse 29. Listen again. And now, Lord... Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I want us to think about why they pray that in light of their reflections upon what David had said in Psalm 2. When people want to throw off the rule and and resist Jesus from ruling over them, what they do whenever they're plotting to do that is they, they will find, they'll look for the people that they can find who are the most powerful people they know and they make plots with them. They, they talk to those people. And that is exactly what the church does. When they are plotting together, they find the people who are most powerful. And they talk to them. And so, the church does the same thing. Except that the church knows someone who is more powerful to plead with. They say, God. They know they should not stop speaking just because they're threatened. And so they say, will you grant? We we can't do it. You have to give us boldness. Even though Peter, it says in the passage before, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he spoke with boldness to the Sanhedrin, he needs to pray again and they need to pray again. Will you grant us to continue to speak for you in the face of all these threats? The church must Speak up. And there's a way. There's a manner of speaking that we must have. Notice, it's not just that the church must speak up. 
the church must speak up with boldness. And what I want us to see in this passage are three reasons. If you are someone who wants boldness, number one, the way you get boldness is to ask God to give it. So I want to take three reasons from our passage for us who want to be bold to ask God to make us bold witnesses to this world around us. There's three reasons that we should ask God to make us bold witnesses to the world around us. And the first one is that we should ask to speak up because of how God responds to their plots. We should ask God to grant us to speak up because of what God does in response to their plots. Uh, and Silas's last birthday, we got him this Spider-Man costume, and it was, it was a really good Spider-Man costume. Um, You know, it doesn't have the the little Velcro that gives away that this isn't really Spider-Man who's in our living room. Um, It it doesn't, you know, it has actual feet. His little feet aren't poked out or whatever. And when Silas puts on that that costume, even from the first moment that he put it on, he he does all the moves. You know, he can jump around. He's acting like he's crawling. Pew, pew. Or, I mean, whatever. Whatever the, he can do it. I'm not the one who wears it. He he looks like Spider-Man. He is is acting just like Spider-Man. But whenever he has that costume on, I can tell you it has never crossed my mind that at bedtime I should send Spider-Silas out to clean up the streets of Graham. I'm not thinking that he needs to go rid this town of crime just because he dressed up like that. Haman, the enemy of the Jews. Esther's wicked rival. He ascends to the right hand of the king of the world. He's given the signet ring to write a law that could never be overturned. And the law that Haman gets in stone is to annihilate all of God's people. And he had no idea that his plot opposed God's plan. In those people that Haman was threatening was the seed of this son that God had sworn would take the throne. And so God hung Haman with the very noose that Haman tied for Mordecai. How does God respond to the world's plots to silence the word of Christ? I think there's an encouragement here for you if you feel threatened to be silent. I think there's an encouragement here for you if you're someone who doesn't want to be led by Jesus. If you're someone who is spending your life trying to resist him. How does God respond to the world's plots to silence the word of Christ? Psalm 2 verse 4 said, 
he who sits in the heavens laughs. I don't think that's a, oh, look how cute at my kid who's pretending to be this tough guy. I think he's sitting in heaven laughing like they are plotting against what I have already predetermined was going to happen? How can someone make the triune God all-powerful snort with laughter? Just threaten His servants. He sits in heaven. He's not pacing in heaven. He doesn't get up from the throne of heaven because of them. They don't warrant any kind of concern from Him. And when we're scared of what someone else might take away from us, and when we're tempted to be silent, we need to get the joke. Vain clowns should not have much pull with people who are serving the sovereign God. There's a second reason why I think we should ask to speak up. Because of what God does with our witness. The whole world, the whole world, Israel's not an exception. The whole world is born set against Jesus. That means you have never met anyone who is indifferent to Jesus. Once you realize that Jesus claims complete authority and He deserves and expects wholehearted allegiance, there is no one who is neutral to Him. We may not be facing the same kinds of persecution as they were, but we are up against the same kind of people that they were. People here may not cringe at the name of Jesus, but they're the same kind of people who want to burst the bonds. They don't don't want His Lordship. They don't want Him to have a say to tell them what they should be doing with their life. And as you speak up to them, you might be thinking, my friend, there's no way that he is going to believe. And I want us to remember that God answers this prayer. Verse 29, look down at their threats and empower us to speak up. Notice what he says, while... Look at their threats. Enable us to speak up while you stretch out your hand to heal through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What the the church understands is that God's healing hand moves while His servants speak the name of Jesus. Now, in Acts 3... That healing was physical. This man who had never walked before was touched by Peter when Peter spoke the name of Christ and he got up and he 
walked for the first time. And then Peter explained, though, at the end of chapter 3, verse 26, that the real healing, the real blessing that Jesus offers is forgiveness. By his wounds on the cross, we were healed spiritually, healed of of our guilt before God. We were freed from hell. And what they're saying is that God grants that healing while his servants speak up. They won't be silent because they know that God saves when they speak. Rage. Rage of the powerful does not silence them because they believe God answers prayer. Listen again to the words of Psalm 2. Listen to what David says about the nations. Why did the nations rage? And then God says in verse 8 to his son, Ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. This is the plan of God. Even those who rage against him become his inheritance. Become even heirs with him. Because this is the kind of king who can be killed and then ask God to give him those people who killed him. That is what's happened to most of the people in this room. And if you are here and you have not devoted your life to Christ, why would you delay? What kind of king are you waiting for? He died for sinners, and you're a sinner. He is installed in heaven, and no one will defeat him. And he asks God to grant to him, because of his wounds, to give him people to forgive, and that can be you today. Turn from your sins and follow the king. Jesus' following will be as wide as his opposition. Jesus is claiming servants from all over the world. There is not one person that you ever meet that Jesus is not the rightful ruler of. He is their king, regardless of whether they ever recognize that. And there is not one person you ever meet who is too sinful or too far gone that Jesus cannot bring him to himself. Beloved, do you want that saving hand to stretch out? We need to ask God for boldness to speak up. Third, we should ask God for boldness to speak up because Their threats are in vain. The peoples plotted in vain. And they made good on their threats. You see that? They plotted in vain to kill Jesus. But they killed Jesus. 
the punchline does not fall until Sunday. After Jesus endured torture and murder. Their plot was vain. How was it vain? How was their plot useless? Because they thought that if we kill Jesus, we will cut off His rule from us. But when they killed Jesus, they made Him king. Why should we be bold in the face of threats? I'm trying to help you when you're, when you're imagining and you're fearful for what they can take from you. We should be bold in the face of threats because even if they make good on their threats... They cannot take anything from us that God has promised to us. Their threats are empty in this way. Think about this. God raises the dead. Our God raises the dead. If you love God, He will raise you after you die serving Him. They can, in other words, do their worst and they still cannot ever take anything away from you that God has promised to you. He never promised that they wouldn't kill you. He promises after death, you'll live with me. He never promised popularity. I'm afraid we don't even understand how much pull popularity has on this social media culture when we're really aware of living our life before people and we're we're aware of who likes things and who follows things. He never promised popularity or money or comfort. If God has not promised it, you and I should not protect it. Listen, we don't need friends like our friends need Jesus. We don't need to have close relationships with our family if it means they don't get Jesus because we're keeping the peace and we won't speak the truth to them. We don't need money or promotion as much as our co-workers need Jesus. Beloved, none of their plots against us can overcome God's plan for us. And none of their plots against us come outside of God's plan for us. He has planned it all, and they can't take anything away from us. Point number three, we see the result of power. The result of power. Verse 31 Now, if we know anything about despots, uh, we should know this. No one forces a despot to do anything. Right? I mean, that's kind of the point of being a despot. You You don't go in giving orders to a despot. You can't force a despot to do anything. Your prayers cannot make God do anything. I understand why people... Some people say, well, if God is so sovereign, 
Why should I pray? But the church's belief that God plans everything makes them pray. Why is that? Well, if the despot has already said what he wants to do, then we should ask him to do it, and he'll do it, because he wants to do it, and he's already promised to do it. And so they don't, they don't, they don't pray for certain things. They're not praying for, they don't pray at all for safety. They pray for boldness to speak because they know they're supposed to speak. And that boldness comes from Jesus. The very one that the world doesn't want us to talk about is the one who is sitting in heaven performing wonders and signs and pouring out power like he did in chapter 2 when he sent the Holy Spirit to fill his people and the house shook. And they started speaking throughout Acts. Being filled with the Spirit leads to speaking of Jesus with boldness. With boldness, not jerkiness. There is a difference. Boldness isn't being a jerk. Boldness is a gentle witness that, that is also not being a sissy. Whenever we come under threats, boldness is about not letting threats stop us from talking. Boldness is about all of our fears not keeping us from speaking up. I am so grateful that the prayer meeting on Wednesday night is so vital to our church. I, think it, I, mean, I don't think that's just a pastor who wants it to be vital. I think as a church, Wednesday nights, when we gather together, it is vital. You see it as important because it always was important. When they were threatened and released, they gathered together to pray. When the world plots together... The church prays together, and our world is plotting together. And so, we should be gathering together for prayer. And when we gather together for prayer, we should be asking for boldness. Not save us from their threats, but make us bold despite their threats. In one of my favorite stories... Uh, the mother of the king chastens her son whenever the wicked are threatening to kill the king and he speaks softly in response to them and she saw this as completely inappropriate because of who he was as the king. And so she said, if you are going to speak, son, speak And what's true for the king is true for his friends. There's nothing offensive or inherently wrong if one of Snow White's friends is known as bashful. But the friends of Jesus have no excuse for being bashful. 
If the one you're serving sits in heaven, speak up. Father, we pray that you would answer this prayer of Acts 4 for us. We pray that you would look down upon all our fears, even if they come from threats that are really old or threats that are imaginary. And you would look at their threats and grant us to speak with boldness while you stretch out your hand to save and while signs and wonders are performed through the name of our Lord Jesus. We pray that you would overcome every temptation to be bashful and that you would make us a people who are bold and witness for our King. He is worthy of our boldness. And we ask this all with confidence that you will answer in Jesus' name. Amen.